0: Hello, everyone. I'm Alan Mellish, Director of Events and Online Content at the Human Capital Institute, and this is 9 to Thrive HR, your source for education, expertise, and knowledge on all things talent. If you just can't get enough of this kind of thing, check out hci.org for more amazing free content like this, and also check out our conferences and educational opportunities as well. Today, my guest is entrepreneur, author, coach, and speaker, Ron Lovett. Ron is here to talk about empowerment, engagement, and organizational culture. Ron, welcome to 9 to Thrive.
1: Hey, Alan, thanks for having me.
0: Wonderful. So as people who listen regularly know, I do like to get a little background on our guests. So Ron, I want to ask you basically, why are you here? What's your background and how did you get here?
1: Yeah. You know, I'm born and raised Halifax, Nova Scotia, east coast of Canada. And uh, I was always, uh, you know, a scrappy entrepreneur, but my first real business venture was in the private security industry, security guarding space, so physical guards. So we do everything from, you know, I could be At a Rolling Stones concert with 300 staff. Uh, We'd provide security for shopping centers, or I could be on tour with Jay Z or ACDC. So we had a wide range of physical guarding services that we provided. And, you know, it's a tough business. It's 24-7. it's low wage, low morale, high turnover. It's one of, I think that physical security and cleaning are two of the toughest industries. And so my point on that is that. I had to really, um, I was starting to fall into the trap, which uh, I've heard lots of business uh, owners and leaders say, which is, look, it is what it is. This is just the industry. And my story was in 2011, uh, I was a sole shareholder and I lost almost a million dollars that year. And I was really at rock bottom. I was, you know, I, I was in a lonely place. It was over Christmas. I'm drinking a glass of wine. I'm looking at a whiteboard and I'm just thinking, And the question was, what if I had to restart the industry? And that question hit me like a ton of bricks. It's what if I had to restart this industry from scratch? And two things really came out of that. One was our model, how we operated. And so in in the security industry, typically is command control, lots of mid-level management. You do what you're told when you're told and, and you do, you know, that's typically how the industry operates. And so One thing we did is gutted the mid-level management and pushed all the autonomy down to frontline leaders. And then we had to buckle on what I always like to call the Zappos Southwest Airlines Starbucks culture. There was no real culture. It was, sorry, there was. It was a strong command and control culture. And we had to build a servant leadership uh, empowerment culture. And so I set off on those two paths and so, you know, the, that was great. We turned the company around, grew 60% year over year, uh, sold the company to Allied Universal out of Santa Ana, California for a 24 times multiple in 2017. So great exit. And the natural thing was, you know, I, I would argue that others did security as well as we did, but no one had the engagement we did, no one had the the culture that we did. And 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 so it made sense to naturally get into that business. So Conley Owens, we really deal with people in culture. Um, And so we wrote a book called Outrageous Empowerment, uh, which launched in 2018 and now have a second book launching. Uh, It'll be out before mid-February called Scaling Culture, which is, you know, outrageous empowerment was the story of starting the company and everything we went through and selling the business at the end. Outrageous Empowerment is the fun, buckle up, have some popcorn and get into a great story scaling culture is more the systems and processes on, on how to achieve a high performing uh, culture.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic background there. And I think a, uh, a good example of, of how culture and kind of going back to the drawing board or in your case, the whiteboard over Christmas can really generate some powerful results if we follow them through. Um, I think probably right now, in fact, there's a lot of organizations that are maybe having, I don't know, a sort of dark night of the soul. They're thinking, okay, what do I need to do to keep the lights on in this place in 2021? Um, there's been credible disruptions because of the pandemic. And I think probably a lot of organizations are struggling with how to be effective and uh, even successful when there's all these new uh, often very necessary rules for health and safety that we have to work under and they keep changing all the time. So what's, I guess, what's your advice there or what's your thought there for people who are looking at how to make work work at this point in time?
1: Yeah, look, great question. Um, so So two things come to mind and hopefully this answers what you've asked. One is at this point in time, I don't think there's I, sorry i don't think there's ever been a time when culture when, when you've been able to get such an roi in culture what i mean by that alan is those companies especially in canada and i, and I know in the us as well so north america and probably globally that have um individuals that are in and out of work and in and out of work maybe they've been laid off or brought back in and and things are changing so rapidly Those with strong cultures have been resilient through this process. And those that haven't had strong cultures have really fell on their face. And I think it's shined a light. You know, they say culture is strategy for breakfast. But, uh, you know, in this case, if you didn't have a strong culture, you're paying for it right now. Our culture, we have a resilient culture. We didn't miss a beat. We were able to adapt, shift, move, keep people engaged. It didn't come with its own challenges. But I can tell you that. You know, even some of our customers that we work with in challenging, you know, food service space had no problem having people come back to work, even if they were competing in some cases with government assistance. Um, And so I think that if you're listening out there and you're complaining, oh my God, this is so challenging, this is so tough, people don't want to come back to work. Unfortunately, as harsh as it sounds, some of that we have to look inwardly and say, what's the environment we've created? Why don't people love to work here? Because it's not as simple as I provide a paycheck, they should come to work. That's what I used to believe. And so so that's one piece. I think that if you fight it, if you're fighting culture, you're going to lose the battle. The pandemic could potentially wipe you out. This is a time we're also seeing other customers and businesses lean into this and say, how do we, you know what, the timing might be bad, but we're going to lean into culture now. We're going to create, we're going to use this opportunity to create strong cultures um, or strong culture in our organization. I think that's very smart. And then I always think to, you know, keeping things extremely simple because, you know, we're in a zone where you don't know what you don't know. Things change all the time. Do you wear a mask, don't wear a mask, you know, social distance, five people, 10 people, it's changing so quickly. And I always think back to a, I took a, a, a course at, at Harvard extension school a few years back. And anyhow, the speaker was talking about they did this study on couples and I'm going to get some of this information wrong, but essentially the study was this. They would put a couple into a room and within 10 minutes, they could tell by a 99 percentile if the couple was going to make it uh, long-term. And what the, what they would do is they'd put them in little situations and they'd have to do certain things. And as they observed, if one, the male, female, whoever this was, male, male, if, if one of the individuals interacted with the other, if the math on this was two negative comments to one positive, then they had a 99 percentile chance that they weren't going to make it. If it was one to one, they kind of had 50%. If it was two to one positive to one negative comment, as they were interacting and doing these exercises, they had like an 85% chance they were going to make it. Again, I'm probably getting the data a little wrong, but essentially, so back to that theory, um, which I think makes sense. And so my advice to companies, especially if you're on the front lines, because we have staff that are you know, anxious, dealing with new customers, is keep it simple. And so if the simplicity is just this, Alan, you work for me, we've got a restaurant and we've got all the staff here. Um, every time we're changing something uh, for the customer from an experiential standpoint, that, that is different from before, and let's categorize that as negative. So, uh, hi, hi, sir, uh, or ma'am, um, come on in. Hey, where have you been for the last two weeks? Wear your mask, wash your hands, need to take your temperature. These are all negative things, whether we like it or not. And so I think that if we look at business in in such a simple format that we say, anytime we have to do something negative based on um, the government regulations, whatever that is, let, let's double down and just do two positives for every negative. So it's, hi, you look great today. Welcome to our store. It's really nice to see you again. Hey, can I take your temperature? I've got two positives to a negative. Because we can't start changing our own internal policy and saying, here's our process. Here's our process. Change, move, go. We have to keep it simple. And I think one of the the lovely things that we've done and accomplished in our businesses is, is keeping things simple. Because it's not just during the pandemic. The other thing is, you know, from my perspective, you know, our, our subtitle of the book is give people their brains back. And it doesn't mean people didn't have brains. It means that we wanted people, we think people are smarter than we give them credit for. And and we should allow them the autonomy and the freedom to make smart choices. And a lot of times they'll outperform us at the sea level because they're closer to the source. And so, you know, keeping things simple, especially as your business scales, that that's one of the biggest challenges. There's a very smart guy by the name of Vern Hunter. She says, one of the biggest challenges we have as we scale is actually keeping things simpler than it was yesterday. We add complexity. And so we have to be thinking things from a simple standpoint. And I, and I think that will allow people to flourish by keeping things extremely simple. Sorry, that was a long rant.
0: No, that's fantastic. And I mean, I think um, one of my favorite sayings that I've heard in in recent years that kind of dovetails nicely with what you were talking about is uh, simple rules for a complex society. And I think what you're talking about is simple rules for complex situations. Like we can't plan for every eventuality. There's no way we could keep up continually rewriting policy after policy and then distributing and training everybody on it all the time when it changes so fast.
1: That's right. So if you keep this two to one, this is just an example because there's a hundred things that we could, you know, have discussions about. But two to one, it doesn't matter then if it's five people, ten people, six feet, eight feet. Take your temperature, not take your temperature. It's two positives to every negative interaction. That is simple to me, and I think that's scalable as a staff member. I can take that information, and say, oh, I got it. Yeah, just be nice. Be do two things: get them something, give them a gift, make a compliment, whatever that looks like for every negative doesn't matter what changes now. So we have to be cutting through all the noise because I've talked to entrepreneurs that throw up the say, I can't keep up. This is crazy. I'm, I'm defeated. You know, we have to go back to simplicity.
0: Yeah. And to dig in a little bit more on the giving people their brains back part of this, um, what did you see when you started giving people a simple framework and letting them, you know, make the decision themselves?
1: Right. So you know, typically you need to provide uh, a place where people feel safe and have autonomy, right? You need to do that. If they don't have autonomy, then you can't give them their brains back because they're just going to do what they're told when they're told to do it. But autonomy is super broad. Like it's really broad. And as some people start to go down that path, they realize very quickly that they're terrified to just say, hey, Alan, just, just, you know, you make your own decision, just do, do, uh, do what you think's best. Or, or we'll always say, you know, put yourself in my shoes as the business owner, and make a decision from there. But whoa, 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 we make different decisions. That's still, you know, that, that seems to be the anchor point is, you know, act like you own the business, but well, you would act very differently than me. And so I don't agree with that point. And then by the way, there's the other side where the individual that hears this. So you hear me say, Hey, Alan, you just make your own decisions. Go ahead and have a party at my business you're terrified. You don't know what's going to happen if you make a wrong decision. There's a lot of unknowns and so that takes your confidence away, puts you on eggshells. It it actually has the reverse effect. And so what we've done in this case is provide a framework for a decision-making process. And I talk about this in my book which is look, if you're going to do something, you ask yourself three simple questions. Is what you're about to do the right thing for the customer? Yes or no. Number 2, is what you're about to do, does it align with our purpose? And back in in with my security company, it was of changing the private security industry, yes or no. Does it allow us to continually go for that, you know, heading in that course? And number three, are you willing to be accountable for your decision? And so one of my businesses now is, is Vita Living, and we focus on workforce, affordable living, um, multi-unit residential housing in, in Canada today. We've got over 600 units. And we use the same philosophy except that the questions have changed a little bit we'll say is it the right thing for the community not the customer here community because you know the customer may wanna blare their music and you know smoke marijuana in their unit but that's not the right thing for the community and so is it the right thing for the community does it align with our purpose of revolutionizing affordable communities and are you willing to be accountable and so that framework allows people to feel a little safe because as it's pushed out we tell them, look, Alan, if, if the answer is yes, 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 don't ask anybody. Just do it. And don't worry. You, you have the autonomy. We are backing you. You do it. And we'll have a discussion afterwards because a few things can happen. A lot of times you'll make a decision better than we would. And we're going to celebrate that. That becomes the new standard, best practice for the organization. We tell these stories. In some cases, you may not. And we might need to retrain you. We might need to look at our internal systems and processes with dealing with this issue. And sometimes... We'll coach you, retrain you, and educate everybody else. Say, hey, when this happens, we just want to avoid making this decision. Here's why. And we're pushing out new training to help individuals avoid this in the future. And so it allows you to triage things very quickly, like a sports coach who sees a player make a good or bad play and doesn't wait until the end of the season to talk about it. They dive in right away and say, great play, Alan. Keep doing that. And, hey, everybody, did you see what Alan did? That was great. Let's continue to do that. Or, hey, Alan you know, Ben was open, you should have passed the ball. And so, Hey, everybody, when when we have a striker, we're playing soccer here, when they're open, you look around, put your head up and pass the ball. So that framework allows people the flexibility to feel safe and some guidance to make decisions that allows them to continue to grow. Because in organizations, when we manage with policy, heavy policy, people don't grow. My growth is this, I have to find the policy book, read it, um, find this policy to to deal with whatever situation. I mean, hopefully it's in there. Otherwise, I'm terrified. Um, but if I find it, I've just learned to read policy and obey the commands. And there's this old saying that said, "Look, rules are made for children. And if you want your employees to act like children, make more rules."
0: Yeah, absolutely. My children have a lot of rules, and they act like children. So I, I think that's really fantastic. The that I, I can see how each piece of that framework you you laid out sort of you know, the first two are really about direction, like, is this right for the customer or the community? And does this further our vision that's supposed to give the employee direction? And then the third piece is accountability. Do you think you're going to be proud of what happens based on this decision? Are you willing to stand up and take accountability for it? So I think all of those pieces are really um, crucial in giving people more autonomy rather, you know, because like you say, it's not just, we just turn everybody loose and let them do whatever they want without guidance, which is not going to work. So uh, as we come to the end here, I do want to really enjoy the discussion. I do want to give you the opportunity, where can people keep up with what you're doing, learn more about it and, and what's coming next for you?
1: I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. So if you search Ron Lovett on LinkedIn, fairly active on there, I've got some stuff on YouTube. Um, you know, I, I, I do some conference speaking on people and culture, of of course, uh, you know, so some of that's through through the website, Ronlovett.ca. Um, But we have the second book, the scaling culture book, which is coming out. We also are launching a masterclass, an eight module masterclass that'll go hand in hand with the book. And so those both come out in mid, uh, mid February. And for updates on that, yeah, follow me on LinkedIn, uh, sharing lots of content, uh, with not just myself, but our team as well.
0: Thanks, Ron. And for all ideas related to HR and people, come visit us at hci.org. Don't forget to like us, rate us, and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Smart Radio, or wherever you get your podcast content. Until next time, I'm Alan Mellish.